Hey everybody, Cnote here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that could hope to be like a quarter of a badass that Nicki Minaj is. Uh, I, I just got done watching the Nicki Minaj uncut interview with Stephen Colbert, which was like the funniest thing I've experienced <laughs> in recent memory. It's kind of nice to just see like fun interviews with people <clears throat> when, you know, every late night, late night thing is like talking about Trump. And, it, and of course, like it's important because it's relevant and it's like there are plenty of funny, great jokes you can make about that stuff. But it's it's actually really nice to have um a guest just like talking about what they do. And there's just a lot of really funny, obviously joking flirtation between them. And then a lot of, it just turned out to be a really great, a really great interview. Um, and I also was watching, it was like a New York times interview with uh, Stephen Colbert that I watched just before that was also on YouTube. That was really interesting. Cause like Stephen Colbert was talking about his interview process and how he doesn't really meet with people before you know, before they come on the show, like he's literally just meeting them. He has some notes that like someone had an interview quickly talked to them before. And he has some notes, things to like kind of some beats to hit. And it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like a similar way that I do interviews. I, I know somewhat of like the people I'm talking to, but I like to just learn in the moment, like what's going on with them so that I can kind of work off of that and you can use it as an improv tool and play. And uh, Steven was just like pure genius with this Nicki Minaj interview. It looked like so much fun. He looked like he was having a real good time. So I would suggest going to check that out. Anyway, uh, today on the show, I wanted to talk about labels and rooting for a diagnosis, meaning if you are um, identifying as a certain type of mental illness or you haven't been diagnosed or you think you belong into a bucket and you're kind of rooting for it so you can know what to do or rooting for it for the sake of like uh, uh, pity, perhaps uh, there are, you know, just it's just kind of something to look out for. So let's kind of like talk about that a little bit on dopamine. Drums, All right, so welcome to the show. Today, uh, we're mostly talking about rooting for a diagnosis um, and then kind of a little bit about using labels for clarity. I'm kind of like mixing a couple of, I'm going to try to mix in a couple of different uh, topics per episode because I've been dedicating episodes to one thing and while that's been good, it, it's just kind of nice to be able to freeform transition into topics. But um, for the most part, I'm I've been thinking about it for a little bit, a little while now, and it was something that was bugging me in how I identify as cyclothymic, but I haven't had an official diagnosis. My previous therapist um, made a strong suggestion that that's what I have, and I agree. But I'm also trying to be careful to not live accidentally within the world of cyclothymia uh, and use it as an excuse to not get better or to, um, to avoid certain things. And, and that's the tricky part, right? Like if you feel like you identify with a diagnosis or that you're type of person, it feels like the same, it feels the same as saying like, you know, that's just who I am. But 
you know, you can grow as a person and it's very different when it's mental illness, but it's also like you can sort of placebo your way into acting like a certain kind of mental illness when you don't actually have that. So it's an, it's incredibly important to work with a therapist and get diagnosed. And while self-diagnosis is certainly a stepping stone to get an actual diagnosis, I think talking to a doctor, working with someone, or working with multiple people, or just trying to get as much data as you can about your experiences and learning more about her yourself is absolutely helpful. But it's more helpful if you're getting it from a professional so that they can actually because I, before I'd sp- spoken to my therapist, I thought I was bipolar. And before then, I thought it was just depression. But I was kind of wrestling with like manic depression and just bipolar, or, or rather manic depression, which is now called bipolar, or just regular depression. Um, when things are going well, I kind of don't think about it. I still experience mood swings in the cycle and stuff, but it's become such a regular part of my life that it's not something that I actively think about as much. Uh, I didn't hear, hear about cyclothymia until my um, until my therapist suggested it. So part of that is that if you accidentally put yourself into a bucket of something without knowing that there are other possible buckets, whether it's low grade or even more severe than something that you're dealing with, like you don't really know until you can talk to someone who knows, right? So it's important to make sure that you're not using these uh, labels and ways of identifying in terms of mental illness as something that will pigeonhole you. It's kind of the same thing that I approach Myers-Briggs with is like Myers-Briggs is not meant to identify you in a way that keeps you pigeonholed into a certain type of person. It's not saying that like you're an introverted thinker, so you need to be this all the time. It's saying that this is probably why you're like this (laughs) and giving you a better definition of what that is. So you can kind of learn to go forward and, and, and work on that. So that's kind of the the challenge is learning and figuring out who you actually are, what is actually going on versus what you might be conjuring up psychologically. And and that becomes a challenge that becomes really difficult to consider when you're moving forward. So I think another thing to be careful of is 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 misdiagnosing yourself. And making sh- and and rooting for a diagnosis specifically, especially when you're doing your own research about who you are, it's kind of like again I kind of relate it to Myers Briggs, but I also think about astrology, uh, where astrology uses such vague terminology because it's trying to reach as many people as possible. It's not personal, right? It's trying to fit within one twelfth of society uh, or the perception of one twelfth twelfth of society, and it is because of the vague usage and the vague terminology, you could self associate with certain aspects of something. So if you're experiencing what could really be ADHD, you know, you could actually just be an INTP that exhibits that kind of behavior, or you could be, um, you could assume that you're cyclothymic or bipolar, but really you're just dealing with ADHD, which has sometimes similar symptoms or similar uh, situations going on. But because you're self-diagnosing and maybe you haven't done enough research, it's easy for you to connect the dots in places that don't necessarily, that aren't necessarily helpful. So also rooting for a certain diagnosis in terms of like 
when you're dealing with stress in life could be a situation where you're trying really hard to find a sense of clarity. You could be just kind of sick of living within this amoeba state of not understanding yourself and who you are and where you're going and what you're trying to do that you identify with something. So you're just like, okay, this is it. And you don't want to do any research anymore. You're exhausted. It's kind of like when you're trying to buy a house and you've seen so many houses and you just want to pick the one that is good enough or marriage. Sometimes that happens too. Um, when you're dating someone and you're like, uh, I feel like I could do better, but uh, I don't, I don't want to look anymore. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but it's, it's a little of the same kind of thing where you're rooting for a certain kind of diagnosis so that you can move forward. Or another reason someone might root for a diagnosis is to be able to feed any kind of attention that they might want from it or be able to feed the excuses that they've been making for themselves in, in certain aspects of life, you know, being lazy or not um, connecting with people correctly or whatever. Many reasons. And I think that's tricky again, because we don't want to actually use mental health as um, a negative quote unquote excuse. We don't want to call a mental health issue as an, ex an excuse essentially, but there are situations when there are people who are, rooting for a diagnosis so that they can feel that so that they can continue to enable themselves to be lesser of a person. And I've kind of talked this, talked about this on other episodes where um, particularly things involving abuse, where somebody will use their mental health as the reason to gaslight someone or the reason that they are emotionally abusing someone or physically abusing someone like mental illness doesn't make you a shit person. Mental illness can accentuate being a shit person. It's kind of the same way that this is going to be a controversial statement. I realize, but it's kind of the same way that like Facebook didn't make anyone vote for anyone. The Russians didn't make anyone vote for anyone, but they found ways to target people who already have some of the ingredients and are able to put them in the right pot, accentuate things and push them in the direction that they want to go. So it's kind of the same way with mental illness a little bit. Like mental illness is not going to make you a bigot. <laughs> mental illness is not going to make you an abusive person. Mental illness is not going to make you hateful. Mental illness is going to accentuate anything that you already, that already exists within you, but it's not going to bring out something new. So un understanding that is important because some people search for mental illness, search for a connection to mental illness to continue to enable them to be what they have wanted to be because of you know, bad upbringing or behavior or whatever the case may be. So again, to enable what they are. Um, some people use religion for that. Some people use all sorts of other things for, for that sort of enabling. And mental health is one of those things. So Sometimes people will root for a diagnosis to do that. And um, it's going to be hard because I don't think anyone who's listening is going to be that type of person. Uh, I just kind of, just kind of philosophizing and pontificating about it. But um, you know, that's, it, it's really tricky to talk about, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's just kind of reinforcing the fact that you should, as an individual who is maybe a little bit unsure about who, what you're dealing with, 
to get a professional diagnosis. If this therapist is not good for you, go to a different therapist, get multiple points of view. If you go to a therapist that is just suggesting meds and you don't want to do that, you want to learn more about yourself, then go to someone else. Talk to multiple people, do multiple rounds of research. I know it's exhausting. I know it's tough. Um, but if you're genuinely wanting to grow and change, like that's what it takes. So with all of that in mind, as I press press play while a car is going by, <laughs> with all of that in mind, thinking about mislabeling yourself and rooting for a diagnosis, um, think about how you can move forward from that. And part of it is that all throughout the process, you need to continue to challenge yourself. You need to question everything. You know, don't feel this sense of certainty of having figured it out. And I think that's true for having a mental illness and even knowing what your diagnosis is. Like whenever you feel settled, whenever you feel like life is good, that's when the vulnerability sets in. And that sounds terrible, but in, in terms of mental illness, that's my experience. That's what I've experienced is that anytime I feel like life is going well, suddenly depression kicks in or something else that's going on sneaks in and gets me. And suddenly I feel like I've never experienced it before. And it's the most difficult thing. Uh, I've, I've experienced this recently where I was having, um, basically I was going through kind of like a two week cycle, uh, for my moods. And at some point around June money got a little bit better. I was, I like withdrew from my 401k, which I don't recommend you do that. Um, but I had a little bit of cushion financially. So I was, feeling a little bit better. My family was in town. Like I was feeling good and, um, everything was going well. But then like after everything settled down, after I left ever, after I've done a couple things, like it just kind of crept in again and it snuck up on me and it was pretty painful and it, it, it just kind of came out of nowhere. So, um, feeling that is really frustrating. So feeling a sense of, and I don't mean live day to day in like, fear or turmoil or like whatever, but to just kind of ask yourself all the time based on your behaviors, like, okay, is this something that I would do? Or do I feel like I'm being driven to do this by something else? Or, um, you know, is this normal for me? Is this different? Um, you know, taking stock in it. One thing that I do is I use an app called Dailyo, which is a way that I track my moods every day. D-A-Y-L-I-O. Um, I track my moods every day. And I take a look at it and it allows me to take stock. So like it pops up at 8 PM every night and it says, how's your day? And I've got five choices. It says, you know, bad, meh, good, great, and rad. And, um, you know, I pick, uh, one of the five and it allows me to just take stock. Like, okay, how was today? How was I doing? Because like, if you don't stop and take stock, like it just kind of, just kind of goes by and like days bleed together and, you might not be aware of like your mental health transitions and what's going on day to day. So having to be like forced to take stock based on like a notification that came in, it's, it's just nice to, to actively do that. And uh, it's helping me to take stock day to day and realize like what days I'm not feeling good. And why did I not feel good today? Did I not get something done? Did I, um, not get exercise? Did I not eat well enough? Did I not get any vegetables? Did I, um, you know, was it too hot? Was that affecting my mood? Things like that. And just taking stock in that, that'll help you take notes and that'll help you when you do go to a therapist to figure out what to do from there.
So um, that's it. You know, be careful about mislabeling yourself and self-diagnosis and be careful about rooting for a certain diagnosis. You know, be aware of your biases, be aware of your day-to-day behaviors too. you know, track your moods and track your behaviors, track your triggers and go to a therapist, talk to someone. And it can be low stakes. Like literally when you first talk to a therapist, say, I'm not interested in pills. I just want to do talk therapy. I want to discuss things. I want to try to figure something out and I just need to get things out. So, you know, you can be clear about that up front. That's very important. If that's something that you want to, uh, uh, that's the way you want to approach it. So, um, that's it for this episode. I really appreciate you guys for listening to the show. You can go to dopamine.life to subscribe to the show or support the show with the don- donation. Uh, check out cnote.media to check out my media courses along with my Myers Briggs courses. And I also just put out an album. So if you go to c-note.bandcamp.com, you can check out my album that I just put out. It's an instrumental album. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it should be up on Spotify and iTunes and all of that within the next few weeks. So, Really, really stoked about all of that. Um, you know, I'm continuing to make things and do things and talk on this show. And uh, let me know how you feel about changing up the format a little bit, kind of breaking it into sections and uh, talking a little bit more in the intro. I want to ca- kind of include more pop culture things or things that I'm thinking about or things that I'm experiencing or funny little anecdotes. I used to have a comedy show called Zero Laugh Track, and I used to do like an hour long show of just like jokes so I want to kind of bring some of that sensibilities, uh, some of that sensibility into this show a little bit and, you know, and can kind of lighten the mood a little bit because they talk about a lot of serious stuff. So uh, that's it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'll take care of yourselves and each other. Love you guys. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.